There is a space where you are all you need, where you are all you want. All there is is here. Welcome to the Source Connection, conversations about who we truly are, the possibilities of creation and the new earth we are birthing, with your host, Tara Long and Liz B. Welcome everyone to one more episode of The Source Connection. Some people call me Liz B. I'm here with my co-host Tara Long and our very special guest Rhoda Todoran. Let's take a moment here to just arrive, arrive into this now space where time is irrelevant. We're just going to deepen the breath for a moment. I'm actually excited to play with breath today together. And so just ground yourself. If you're sitting, maybe spread your butt cheeks and feel the rooting of your physical body. Take connection to whatever surface you're on. Closing the outer eyes. Just deepening the inhale and the out breath. I was going to say out hail. <laughs> and just letting go whatever was happening before you got here, what has happened in your day, your week. Noticing the thoughts, the sensations, just allowing them to present themselves and trying to not get attached the best you can. For the next few minutes here, let's play with what we call one-minute breath. You're going to inhale and do a counting and see how long you can inhale for. Then you're going to hold the breath for that same amount. And then you're going to exhale in that same count. So maybe start small to where you can complete the full cycle, inhaling for as long as you can holding for the same count and exhaling from for the same count. It's called one minute breath because ideally you would inhale for 20 seconds, hold for 20 seconds and exhale for 20 seconds. That may be a big number to start. So start where you can and let's just experience this together now. In and out through the nose.
Next time you inhale, just take the deepest breath you can. Pause the breath and bring your hands overhead. Stretch the arms up and just shake, 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 shake. And side out, sweep the arms down. Wow. <sighs> Here we are with two of my favorite people. That was good. Mm -hmm. <laughs> Yummy. Welcome back. We're here with my dear friend, Rhoda, artist, breathwork, facilitator, author. I mean, the list, podcaster, the list goes on and on. Can you tell us, Rhoda, what, bring you, what brings you to this now moment here with us? A little bit of your story. Where do I begin? Usually when people ask me that, they ask me how I got to become a breathwork facilitator. And so I start with the dark night of the soul, my first one. Mm. Um, <laughs> many since then. <laughs> but um, I think really, you know, I was listening to, I've heard all your other podcasts that I was listening to your first one. And I my whole being was like, yeah, of course. Yes, yes, yes. You know, and I just, everything resonated so well, obviously, because we've known each other for a while. And this is a conversation we've had for numerous times, but really um, I think what brings me here is, you know, that, that quote that Carl Jung said, the world will ask you who you are and if you don't have an answer it will tell you and that is what we're born into and I feel like that's not different for me I've had that same journey of like being just not feeling like I fit in but just kind of going along with the flow and being told that I need to be a certain way or you know whether or not it was verbal or energetic, I led this path not knowing there was not there was anything else. And then the dark night of the soul happened um, during um, my marriage that broke up my first marriage, and I just I was in a bad state. I was suicidal at the time, and I was seeing a therapist, and she had was worried about me because I was having these suicidal thoughts. So she had me go to a psychiatrist and um, put me on to some antidepressants. And as I was healing myself with talk therapy at the time, because that's all I knew of at the time. Mm -hmm. And the idea or the plans that I had for ending my life kind of formulated into a trip around the world. So I, which is something I always wanted to do. I had dreamt about it as a little girl. And I just like, we, I used to live near um, the Los Angeles airport and I used to watch the planes fly by and, you know, mm -hmm. wish for it to take me away because my life was not all rosy at the time. And um, 
So I did. I took my set like a year off of the life that I had and just kept going. Um, I started in Europe and it was very hard at the time of just like being alone by yourself. And it was almost like a, a restructuring of who I am. It was the first time that I had asked myself, like, who are you? What do you want to be? You're not this and you're not that. You're not happy there. Mm-hmm. And, and then that's when I started getting to that source, trying to figure mm-hmm. out what that essence of me is. And it brought me to Australia where I lived for about almost five years. And that's where I discovered breath work. Um, and that's another story of how I came to breath work. Um, I was dating different people at the time and um, had a boyfriend and another man that I was dating before came to see me and um, I was raped and I was just so distraught because I felt like I had gotten to a place where I kind of knew myself was healing a lot and discovering different um, methods of healing myself. And this happened again, wasn't the first time that it happened in my life. And so um, I kind of just was at a loss and I had, I had a good friend at the time say, just come with me away on this weekend. You know, we're doing this breath work thing, but I had no idea what it was or what I was going to be doing. But if it hadn't, if that event hadn't happened, I might've not gone. Like I just was so desperate to be out of where I was, the feelings that I was having, that I was willing to do anything and go anywhere at that point. And the rest is history, really. I had the most amazing weekend. I've never had anyone hold space before then besides like a talk therapist and here was a whole room full of strangers that were holding um, a loving space of acceptance and allowing me to just be in who I am and that's to say you know we have all these labels and these images that we have of ourselves this mirror image And I got to realize throughout the years since then of just that source connection, that that essential self Mm. that you find when you're in oneness and alignment that has no words to describe. That's who I am. Mm. And when I was listening to your first podcast, and I think uh, Tara had first mentioned it, you know, you said there's this conviction that you have that everything will be okay. And I've had that all throughout this crazy times. <laughs> and um, and you find the people around you that have that too. And it's really interesting because it's almost like I'd been preparing for this, you know. Mm-hmm. And not to say that in like a, to diminish the, painful times that people are having the really difficult moments that I know people are having all around the world but I feel like I didn't belong here I knew there was something that could happen if we just worked all together and we all came from that place of oneness love unity whatever you want to call it the source connection it's just going to unfold so perfectly And when I do workshops, I do breath work workshops currently, I see it. I see that people, I mean, when you know an experience from a visceral level that there is more than all this, you know, physicality, but also what the world tells you, what the news tells you, when you see more than that, when you feel like a beaming multi-dimensional light being when you know that for sure even it's just for a second or even the feeling of oneness if it 
you know, there's so many different levels to this, obviously. But when you feel that, you can't live in the lies that are happening. You can't live in the lie of your so-and-so person that's this and that age. It's just not possible. Mm. And also, like, what brought me here, where I am, I'm currently in Utah, even that, like, I meditated and just opened myself up and said, you know, I want to be out of LA. Show me where I'm going to be. Is this going to actually happen? And I had this mental picture of someone picking up my little self and putting it somewhere and I didn't know at the time where it was and looking back it's exactly I am right now mm-hmm. and it's just those little um confirmations mm-hmm. that you have along the way as you deepen the groove of being in alignment and connecting with people that are in the same flow it's just become stronger and stronger um, so yeah, I'm actually really grateful to be here to share this space with you too and mm-hmm. and deepen that groove of oneness and unity and love and where we all belong. <laughs> love this deepen the groove. I know me too. I wrote it down. I was like, deepen the groove. Yes, Rhoda. Deepen in the groove. Mm. Wow, there's so much to unpack from that. Um Thank you for being vulnerable and, and um, just really opening up in that way. Mm-hmm. When you talk about that weekend and that space that was cultivated, that people were open and they were connected and they were really holding space for each other. How could you explain that to somebody who's never been exposed to breath work? What is the difference between that weekend, that breath work that you did versus just you know, breathing consciously in your life or just breath alone, right? Some people have never experienced that. So could you give them a, an idea about what that is? Yeah. So usually there's, I see two different schools of breath work. So one's pranayama and it's breathing, consciously breathing in a specific way for a specific intention and a, a specific outcome. And it's um, consciously using your breath um, and manipulating it, like holding your breath and um, breathing in a certain way in order to activate relaxation or um, even getting more energy. But the school of breath work that I belong to, that I practice, um, and that I've been trained in is belongs to breath work that is therapeutic. And there's many different forms of it now, but basically the two grandfathers of it are Stanislav Grof and Leonard Orr, and both are in my lineage. And um, so Stanislav Grof began breath work as a way to induce the altered states that he was having or he wanted to have for his participants um, when LSD, which is what he was using previously, became banned, um, became illegal. And he realized that all these states that he was trying to get with LSD can be completely recreated with just the breath alone. And um, Leonard Orr used himself as a guinea pig. And he just launched into various ways of breathing and having, um, he would do breath work in the bath, which is quite dangerous, actually. Um, But he would just do all these experiments on himself to see what is possible. Mm -hmm. And he did hot water, underwater breathing, which I've done. Not, it's very intense. It's not for the beginners, but you use um, a snorkel and you plug your nose and you go underwater in, in a warm bath. Um, so that's 
an extreme form of breath work, but there are various ways of breathing and I've cultivated my own way and you breathe for about an hour. Um, usually actually holotropic, which was started by Stanislav can go for three hours. Oh my God. I didn't know that. <laughs> and that one yeah. is breathing any way that you want, but just deeply and fast. Um, okay. So there's like different ways and different breath workers have their own little special blend. Yeah. But basically the intention is that you go into kind of a shamanic, altered state and that can be explained physiologically as well but mainly what happens is the breath because I use a circular breath and there's no space in between so esoterically speaking the connection between the unconscious and the conscious kind of gets bridged the subconscious um and you become more aware of the subconscious. So a lot of different things can happen. Um, past life regression. People lately in my workshops have been connecting to their past on loved ones. Mm-hmm. Um, I personally have had experiences with all that. Uh, and also you have just kind of a deep uh, understanding of, why you do certain things like just Mm -hmm. realizations come up that Mm -hmm. might take years in talk therapy Mm. what I love about it is (laughs) it's just the breath there's nothing fancy that you have to have and there's no um it's it's actually quite perfect when you talk about the source connection because when you're breathing in, it's not just oxygen, it's prana, it's life energies. You're literally bringing more life force energy into your body, allowing that to show you to light the way of all the things that have been holding you back. Programming, whether it's uh, ancestral, you know, things that have happened in the past from your ancestors that you're needing to purge from your DNA. There's so much that can happen. And it's, there's not a specific intended outcome with this type of breath work. It's just whatever happens, happens. So it's kind of a deep dive into the unknown. And it takes a lot of bravery. Um, And I just love doing these workshops because I'm surrounded by people who are brave and are willing to go to their deepest depths into Mm -hmm. the unknown. And how cool is that to be surrounded by people who are willing to do that? (laughs) Wow. So rich, so rich. It just feels like um, a direct path of purification. Mm. Exactly. Like you're just going for it. You're not expecting anything. There's no attachment to any outcome. I love that. I love that. Um, It's just whatever needs to happen, whatever healing needs to happen is happening. And so my question for you, Rhoda, is if you can remember, can sort of feel um, that first weekend again, just going back, like what how, like, did it connect you? If, can you remember what it connected you to, like emotions deeper? Or what was the process of unraveling that first bit that just you were like, yes, this is, this is amazing. I'm going to continue this and, you know, whatever else comes up. Yeah, um, definitely was emotional. I remember crying quite a bit. But I also remember um, breath work there's a cycle that happens and it's it's different for everybody but usually there's like a ramp up of emotion and then a release and then it's this blissful state at the end and when you come out of it everything is anew and Leonard Orr one of the grandfathers of breathwork he actually called it rebirthing and that's what I always think of when I do it is you become, you birth yourself. You, you 
come out of it as a new newborn in in a lot of ways mm. and those first few moments I remember everything was very clear when I came out of it I, the world was brighter food even tasted better it was just as if I was tasting everything anew but during the breath work itself um it's interesting because when you're with a facilitator that really knows what they're doing intuitively they know where to literally push your buttons like my teacher at the time used to like press different points in my body mm. and it would just activate something mm. and I, I remember in those early days I don't know if it was exactly that weekend but it was a lot of emotional release with not a lot of mental um, mm. realizations, which I also love too, because yeah. it doesn't matter where the source is yes. of right. that trauma. Right. It can be anything. Yeah. Uh, it can be a past life. It can, you know, if it doesn't really matter. It's just allowing whatever comes up so that we mm. can let it go. And I also remember, I'm pretty sure it was that weekend, but towards the end, there was this bright light that was shining the top of my head. And I remember thinking like, what, where's that light coming from? This room wasn't this bright before, but it was coming in from the top of my head. And I remember looking um, out of my cor the corner of my eye just to peek to see what it was. And there was nothing there. And then as soon as I closed my eyes, it was just light again. And, you know, when you experience something like that, mm -hmm. that's otherworldly, mm. there's no way you can mm. have someone convince you that there's nothing else otherwise. Yeah. Mm. So true. Yeah, I love that. Do uh, it it's really work without the mind which i think is so mm. vital for humans right anything we can do to get oh, out yeah. of our mind and just really into our body first and then it yeah. starts connecting all the other bodies and wow it's wonderful exactly. of all of that through the breath and it's so simple again the tagline for so simple <laughs> it's so simple like we have, hard, folks. we have this like you have Graf and Orr who like went into that same depth, right? But found different ways of connecting through the breath and, and modulating it to the extent where you don't have to necessarily go through the mind to unleash and just unravel. And I think that we're so conditioned in society to go through the mind that it becomes even more mystical when you have an experience of that sort that you're like, whoa, what did just happen? So true. And yeah. even, you know, religion shows us that the body is dirty and right. it's something that we shouldn't access. It's all the stuff up here, the connection right. to God that we need to access. And I always stress being in the body in my workshops because that's the portal. We're yes. meant to be here to embody all that we're supposed yeah. to bring it down and through us and allow it to live through us yeah yeah and how much of religion and even like faux spirituality has really put in a like a block right there right yes it's all about disconnecting it's all about not experiencing the guilt the shame um and as you said, the dirtiness and all of that, and you said it so beautifully, is the body is the portal. The bodies are the portal, right? We're in body for a reason. So why not stimulate and experience the body in ways that will um, facilitate that growth and that um, gap bridging, the integration of all the little pieces that we've just kind of lost along the way or or disconnected from. And mm. I think that, well, first I want to ask you, what is the difference between 
those two forms of breath, like the holotropic and the rebirthing. Um, you don't have to be technical about it, but if yeah. somebody was like, oh, which one should I do? Is there a specific difference to them or are they just pretty much the same thing, just named, you know, with small, I don't know. Yeah, it's a good question. I think that it's different now because a lot of different it's evolved in a way that people have mixed different things. But from my understanding, holotropic is done with music. It's a lot longer, like I said, three hours. And it's done in any, there's no, you can breathe out of your mouth or out of your nose. There's no specific difference. It's just um, breathing deeply and fast. Whereas rebirthing, Rebirthing was a lot more intentional in that Leonard Orr had this idea that we, our first trauma was in the birth, like our, our, how we were born. When you think about it, we were in this warm, cozy, dark space in the Northwest in the world. And you know, God knows how many people were born in a way that was mm. not ideal. You know, in the hospital setting, they yep. used to take babies and put them upside down and slap them on the bum. And, you know, that's, that's your welcome to planet Earth. <laughs> and, <laughs> and so his, uh, d- the difference with him is mostly the intention. And it was more of going back to that original trauma And his belief was that if you can overcome that, if you can take your first real breath, he specifically Mm -hmm. saw that there was an evolution of breathing that would happen when you started your breath work journey, where you would become almost breathless in a way that kind of recreated how it was to be in the room. Mm -hmm. And then usually people gasp like when they're taking their first breath out of that state and it's almost like recreating what had happened but in a more gentle mindful conscious way so for him it was more of the act of rebirthing yourself as a person and Stanislav Grof was more into the actual just well I know that this works therapeutically let's see what happens mm-hmm. and you practice both of these Rhoda or it's you have your own style okay. yeah, it's my yeah. own style it's a combination of the two mm-hmm. I do mouth breathing only and okay. a lot of people because there's a, a different school too that says you you shouldn't mouth breathe um, generally speaking out in the world and that's true it's it's better for you to be breathing through your nose. Um, But with this breath work, breathing through the mouth accesses your lower body. Your nose breathing accesses the mental and also, you know, the ethereal and all that other stuff. But for my intention, it's to get someone in their body. And usually with the trauma that happen throughout our life, we kind of, to me, this is the way I see it, is that we lose a part of our soul mm. as the trauma happens. And we're kind of removed out of our body each time that happens. So the more that we ground ourselves in our body and breathing into our body, we're kind of doing a soul retrieval. We're gaining mm. more of that, bringing it back in and gaining mm. more power and taking pieces of our soul body and bringing it back home. Mm. Wow. Yeah, such an integration. Yeah, I, I actually have spoken about the last time I did breath with you and I didn't breathe for a while. Yeah. And we, we've talked about this, the two of us, but I've actually have brought this up here in the podcast um the experience of that quote nothingness end quote being so full 
and so rich that there was nothing that was needed, even breath. And I didn't know that that could be when you talked about the womb right now and that initial state of being in this experience and and how it's similar to that, just being in that deep embrace. And um, it's really touching. And it makes me think of the episode we had with Alana Bliss. Yeah. About birth and the traumas of birth and all of that. And so what a beautiful way to re-welcome somebody into the fullness of their beingness mm. through well, that episode the really resonated. <clears throat> yeah. Wow. Yeah. yeah. I'm playing back all the the breathwork sessions I've had, which I haven't done anything like you do, Rhoda, but just different pranayamas mostly. And and it's interesting about that no breath because there are t- there are times when I can go for quite a while without even wanting or needing to take a breath. It's just like, like Liz was talking about. That's such a beautiful, even though the breath leads you there, but then it's just this. It's that thing, right? The <clears throat> At some point, if a practice or teaching something, if it's effective, it self-destructs. Yes. Right. And we have that example right there in the moment where you come, you bring yourself through the breath to a moment where even not the breath is needed anymore. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And it's, it's just, just you. Yeah. I ha- I have this thought. I've had this thought so much in my life, but someone said it. I was watching something about this, um, this, um, what am I trying to say? This woman who not very naturally stopped needing to eat food really like just didn't try it was just a very natural thing graceful um clean you know cleaned her body and all that um and she said something that stuck with me that I will only do a practice if it leads to no longer needing the practice Mm. and I'm and I'm not saying that's you know good or bad or right or whatever I was just like yeah that like that's the moment I think we're talking about here where it's like Wow. And that's kind of next level, you know, not that we don't still do the practices, but, you know, to bring us back. But what, what is that point where we don't even need it anymore? It's just so fascinating to me. Mm. Yeah. I like the contemplation of that as I feel myself still attached to my own practices and the things that um, make me who I think I am. Right. Mm-hmm. This game we play in this earth, you make you, yeah. you help, you know, believe in who I think I am, and I help do the same for you, and we just keep playing this thing. And um, at what point do we allow ourselves to just not have to even be anything? Yeah, it's that whole paradox of nothing and everything. Yeah. <laughs> and I think we're seeing, I think I have a, what I've been noticing is that we are going through that collectively, especially in, I'll say, in the heart space that we share and the people that we share this heart space with, we're seeing doctors dropping the MDs, right? Yes. Slowly yes. seeing people just kind of lining up like, ah, yes. me. like we talk about it here too, the value of you, right? I don't have even a podcast that was named of that, but yeah. like- like when we start kind of undressing, I'm like, I want in this, I do this and do that. And we just meet in that space of just that moment of what you're, whatever that is, right? All your experiences and what's coming through. And then you receive that from somebody else. It's such a rich, rich experience. And I feel like we've been experiencing more and more of that because we are encountering more and more of those people who are just kind of like, hey, and all of a sudden you're just right there. There's no... There's no superficialities. Yeah. Yeah. And even in the basic sense, like there's so many narratives, right? Mm -hmm. That people, I know I tend to do this. It's just like, I, who knows? So 
it's just like f it like let it all go (laughs) you can swear if you want (laughs) (laughs) like it's 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 just that surrendering that happens it's like look i'm i'm down to the depths here i don't know there we could go on forever arguing about this and that so let's just forget it it's not yeah (laughs) yeah let's not do this game it's just not (laughs) but I love oh sorry Liz were you well I was just saying I'm really feeling this out and let's say wishing for that for the collective for the greater this moment where they just really breathe a little deeper and meet space in themselves where they're just like oh this is my life. I'm gonna live, you know. And it, and it's when I come face to face with the arrogance of humanity to think that they can defy nature or think that they are better than without realizing that they are it, right? Yeah. And all the troubles that come with that. I mean, it could be so much easier. It's so simple. It could be, <laughs> yeah. yeah but going back to the body and like bringing us back into the body I feel like that like you said we've basically spent our whole lives running away from the body whether it's from trauma whether it's from uh spiritual teaching that tells you you don't need it or you know whatever that is it's so wherever you're at I feel like almost every human has been um, taken a drawn away or, or jumped out or run away from their body. So just this work to bring us back is so, I think at least to begin is so essential and so necessary. So yeah, this breath work is, um, yeah, it's so great. What do you see when you've been facilitating this for a while and what is your favorite thing to witness? Hmm doing that even it could be during the process the aftermath whatever it is like what is your like mm. (laughs) (laughs) it's a lot yeah so usually when when people get connected to their past on loved ones that's always like a special moment because we don't have a way usually to communicate with our past on loved ones Mm -hmm. um and this is like oh, I'm just breathing and I can talk to my mom. I can feel her presence and know that I'm guided. And there's this knowing that happens uh, for people that experience that is that we're not alone. When I began this journey, when I had the pull to hold space in a group setting, Mm -hmm. because I've done one-on-one before, but I was really called to do a group session and to do it regularly. and. I remember meditating and thinking, okay, how can I do this? Like, how can I hold space for more than one person? Like, am I actually able to do this? And I, as soon as I thought that, I heard, I literally heard a chorus, and it sounded like a chorus of angels saying, mm-hmm. yes, we're so loud and so beautiful. And <laughs> for me, it was just a confirmation that, I don't have to hold space for every single person. I mean, yes, I'm holding the space for the group, but every single person has their own space holders. (laughs) Exactly. Yes. Yes. So for me, it's seeing that in Mm -hmm. play out in real time. Mm -hmm. And then also during when I see people shaking, that always tells Mm -hmm. me that they're releasing things because, you know, in the wild, wild animals, when there's a trauma that happens, like if you're a gazelle and you were chased by a lion, the moment that they feel safe, the first thing that they do is shake it out. And we don't have that in our society. We can't Mm -hmm. even really scream or display anger without being judged. And so when I see that shaking, it's a particular type of shaking that happens I see that and I know that they're, they're releasing some things. Oh, yeah. It's funny that we shake today too, because I normally don't do the shaking, but we breathe and shake and oh, <laughs> oh yeah. <laughs> it makes me think of like the issue is in the tissue. 
type mm. of where we don't have enough practices in our society that really yeah. do somatic work in the sense of like addressing what certain modalities haven't figured out yet of like, okay, we'll give you this and it'll stop the pain. What's causing it? Why is it there? Why does my knee, why does my right knee, still, why do I still have right knee issues when I had an injury when I was 14 or no, 16 years old? Like, why is there? Like nothing got broken, right? It was yeah. just true at that moment, but something condensed in that space. Yeah. Oh, whatever other thing. And when you come into this opportunities to really disconnect the mind without trying to understand why, how, and you really go to another layer of the trauma, the, I can say this from my own experience, the release is from a different space and it, 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 it moves differently than like that, like insightful, like, oh yeah. You know, I'm not saying that that's not good. It's just a different thing. And I think that we, everybody would benefit from having something in their lives where they feel that somatic tissue release. And that's going to look different for everybody, yeah. right? Sometimes just dancing. Dancing. I was going to say dancing. You do dance yeah. practices as well and you facilitate that. So, um, yeah, maybe tell us a little more. Yeah, yeah, I just finished a workshop, the dance workshop, um, Kundalini Dance. And it's something that I practiced in Australia when I was living there. There's a wonderful goddess named um, Leola Antara who did this whole track <clears throat> through the chakras. And I've added on to it and kind of modified it for my own use. But basically it's using each chakra as a focus and then you dance that chakra, like everything focused on that chakra you dance out everything that needs to be released through that chakra and then I bring it back to a sacral toning or um chakra toning or, or tuning so you use uh I have people imagine that that chakra is like a, a bowl like a singing bowl and when you breathe deeply in and you focus all your out breath into that chakra and using specific sounds for each chakra it kind of vibrates kind of like how a singing bowl mm -hmm. would kind of, uh, permeate through the air and kind of break up stagnant stuff it's kind of the same thing mm -hmm. using your breath and this my participant from Saturday just texted me last night and she said, I did a full body scan at the gym right after our workshop. And I've never seen anything like this, but my left and right is is completely perfectly the same. I've never mm -hmm. ever seen this happen. And so she was saying it like I'm balanced. I'm literally like I can see it through the numbers that I'm balanced. Mm -hmm. So it, something mm -hmm. definitely worked. But I wanted to go back to what you said, Liz, about somatic release and the body. And what I love, too, that I see a lot is um, when people have those specific pain areas and they ask me about it. I usually refer to Louise Hayes' book, Heal Yourself, because she has a whole yeah. <laughs> like a reference she does. point. Like, yeah, yeah. Like, neck. Okay, this is it. Yeah, yeah. All these ailments. And it really shows us that our body is talking to us. It's telling yeah. us what's wrong. And that same participant that night, she asked me, you know, my neck's been feeling really um, painful. I don't know what's going on, you know, and it's been a couple of weeks now. And, and I remembered what it was that Louis Hay had said about it. And it was the inability to be flexible or to see other perspectives. <laughs> and she had just shared about how she was seeing the situation and how it was so painful for her. Mm -hmm. And it was just, when I said that, it was like connecting the, the dots. Mm -hmm. And, you know, when we're aware of these certain things that are going on in our body and we can use it in terms of how it can bring awareness to what we can work on and release 
then it's like our body is working for us, you know, and this whole thing that's been happening around the world (laughs) for the past two years, the thing that cannot be named, um, you know, showing us that there is this pool to move us out of our body and to pull us out of the trust that we can have and should have with our bodies that it's perfectly made for us and it's Mm. working every single day whether we're conscious of it not even just breathing alone like we're not we don't consciously go okay breathe in breathe out but it's keeping us alive and all the things that we don't even know that are happening in our cells to keep you know illness Mm. away and it's just it's all for us Yes, life is for us, never against us. Yeah. And I will speak again of my new boyfriend, German New Medicine. <laughs> we're in the, we're in the, we're in the puppy love stage of the relationship. Well, honeymoon phase. So. Yes, mm-hmm. the honeymoon phase of just, again, it's that remembering. Yes, yes, life is for me. My body is communicating. There's nothing, there's nothing that's wrong. Nothing wrong. Right. That we have to defeat them. Even the idea, I was just thinking the other day, like the idea of the immune system, like it's just like fighting something part of like, like soldiers just ready to like, wait a minute. Like, wait, is that really what that is? Like, can we re and that's what I'm excited about this time is it's reimagining. We get to reimagine, right. And give Mm -hmm. new meaning to everything um, that we've just got used to believing or thinking it was, oh, that's what it is. Is it really that? Yeah. And this and of rebirthing at this time. Mm. And letting go of the, that we have to know what's going on in the yeah. body, you know, all the little thing, all the here, yes. oh, it's this or it's that. No, no, we don't have to know. We just have to go, what, okay, what's the next step? What is that? I'll, you know, and just listen to our bodies, listen to our knowing, listen to our source, because there's one um, practice that I love. Uh, it's medical medium. I don't know if you guys heard of medical medium, um, but he's all about how it's because I, I was exposed to him a few years ago and I'm like, oh, this is great. This is great. It really helped me. The celery juice thing with the, with the bladder thing that I had. Oh my God. It literally saved my life. I was like, thank you. Thank you. Medical medium. However, reading his book, it's all about um, bi- like viruses, how viruses are there and they're embedded here and there. And I'm like, I don't, uh, I don't really buy that anymore. But it doesn't matter because whatever he's doing makes people feel better, you know. So it doesn't. We don't need to know. We don't need to know. I think that's just such a beautiful realization for such mind-oriented worlds. We don't need to know it. Just follow what feels right. And we don't have to agree with everything. No. You just pick and choose. Pick your own adventure. Yes. And change it whenever you want. Mm -hmm. Talk about that makes me think of the placebo effect. Do we need more proof that even if this, let's say the celery juice, right? If they scientifically. Whatever this word means nowadays, yeah. I don't think it's being weaponized. I'm doing that in quotes for whoever's listening. Scientifically prove that the celery juice doesn't have this or whatever thing. It doesn't right. It's doing something. So it what something. Is, like, yeah. can we take our power back of like even the aspect of like living more devotionally? Yeah. Mm-hmm. To like, mm, what is it that I want to create with this experience? Like we have that kind of power and we've just forgotten. And all of a sudden we feel like we need somebody to tell us, oh, if you put this herb here on this thing, just, just, just tune into yourself for a moment and just be like, what is it that my body needs right now? And listen to that, trust that. And I think that leads us to our final question here. Yes. Well, it is um, the final question, but I have a uh, bonus question. But yes, let's do our final question. Bonus question. <laughs> yes. So let's first the final question and then the second first final the question. final question and then the bonus <laughs> final question. Rhoda, what have you learned about yourself through the exploration of truth? Mm. And I say exploration of truth because somebody who decides to 
go into the pain, right, of their experiences, they're exploring truth, whatever that means to them. Somebody who doesn't turn away and numbs out is exploring truth. Somebody that can push through that initial discomfort, everything that you've talked about of like how your life was going and everything you were experiencing. And all of a sudden you're like, wait a minute, wait a minute, there's something here. Yeah, the, the first thing that comes to mind is everything is perfect. Mm. Everything is perfectly imperfect. <laughs> yeah, I don't know why, but that that comes up. Um, I think maybe because, you know, one of the things that I've discovered, particularly with myself, is the way that I was growing up. I was pretty much abandoned. So my parents were not around. I would wake up and they'd be gone. You know, we had servants at the time, but so I was taken care of physically, but there was no other support other than that. And so I was left to myself quite a bit. And while I was growing up, I always thought that I had to be perfect in a way to receive love. So that showed up in different ways in different relationships where I had to do these mental gymnastics of like, okay, this person likes this, 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 this. I'm going to be that and I'm going to be perfectly that. And the more that I am more authentic and kind of settle into my body, into my own beingness in this body, the more it's like, no, I don't. I'm perfect just the way I am. Yes. And not to say that in a like a human way, but also just that trust that we were talking about, that kind of inner conviction. Like yeah. who I am is just this. It's different. It's it's like a cloud. It's different every day, you know, it's or a mountain. Sometimes it snows on it and, and it looks a different way, but it's there. There's like a, a an essence that's there, whether you call it source connection or connection to God or whatever. And I want to go back to how I mentioned about religion, you know, living in Utah now, there's a lot of religious people here, a lot of LDS mostly, but a lot of Christians. And I see the same conviction and I get it. Like, Mm -hmm. oh, there's a realization that you people have during their um, spiritual journey that oh, all religions are the same, but it's, it's this unnameable, unnameable thing mm-hmm. that we're all, we all have faith in whether we call it universe or God or stars or higher self, whatever it is that you want to name it. It's this kind of perfectly imperfect thing. Mm-hmm. <laughs> So, yeah, and, and, you know, truth is such a loaded word these days. Mm. And I was looking back at my Instagram page and my posts, and I've always, there's nothing different about what I always presented in that way. And I remember posting something about how being awake, there's two levels to it. So you see the truth of what's happening in the world. And I've, you know, been a conspiracy theorist for (laughs) as long as I can remember. Um, But I see that there's like another level to that. So you see that and then you're like, oh, I'm actually everything that I see I'm responsible for. And in, you know, not to put the heavy burdens of the world on everyone's shoulder, but it's your perception of what you're seeing and how you're reacting to it. And yeah, I just think that that's the, the truth journey comes in those two forms. Hmm. Yes. Beautiful. <laughs> okay. Bonus question. Bonus question. So we're getting, this is, this is like subset of our entire episode because it has nothing to do with it. Although it does, everything connects, right? Um, does it connect? No, I'm kidding. <laughs> it does. Source connects. Um, <laughs> <laughs> 
So in your bio, you had mentioned um, an NFT fine art curator. And I've been in the crypto space for a couple of years now. And Liz the other day was like, just explain more to me. I don't, I don't get it. Why, why, you know? And so I just want to hear, because for me, it's always been, um, it's always held a vibration of um, what we're creating, what we want to create, right? In a lot of ways. Sure, there's both sides to it and we have to be discerning with everything. But my question for you is, what about the NFTs or being an NFT curator um, how does that connect for you in creating this new paradigm? What is that, mm. you know, what does that mean to you? Yeah. So the same with you with the whole crypto thing, I saw the possibilities of it. And <clears throat> for me, it's tied with my husband. So my husband's an artist. He's a curator. Okay. Um, traditionally, he's like a fine artist and a fine artist curator. And he's done gallery shows. And that's actually how we reconnected. So we were um, each other's like boyfriend and girlfriend when we were 14. So we were, it was my first kiss. And <laughs> we reconnected years later through an art gallery showing what he was doing. And so I feel like this is kind of a new venture for us in our relationship. But also it's steeped in love. Like. Art brings us together, mm. we create together, and it's kind of a natural evolution. Mm. And when NFTs happened, same with Liz, I was like, I don't get it. <laughs> like that's just weird yeah. or or it maybe even ego-based. Mm. And I think with crypto, it's the same kind of um reaction that people have because it's so new, it's so weird, and yeah. people either really hate it and want to dismiss it or are really embracing it because of the possibilities. And for me, when I see that happening, it's almost like, you know, with that initial uh, feeling of distrust, it's very telling because you can see where that person's uh, programming is in terms of fearing the unknown. Yeah and not trusting that you have the power to dictate what that new piece of technology, information, person, whatever new that is coming to you, you're the author of that yes. relationship. You can make it how you want it. So sure, yeah. there are things at play that are nefarious, um, but it doesn't have to be that way. And we are now realizing, I think in our circle and many others that we're kind of holding the space for is that it can be a way to um, empower the people. Yep. The 99% or whatever you want to say. Mm -hmm. And my husband and I were doing the art curating but it's also more than that. We're going to, after this uh, initial launch, which is on my birthday next week, is mm -hmm. um, after we launch the art gallery online, we're going to be moving towards other industries. So we're looking at real estate. We're, he's a landscape architect. So we're looking at using NFTs to build things. And yeah, wow. it's really exciting. Yeah. So many different possibilities. Yes. And if we only allow ourselves a little inkling of like, what if, then yes. it opens up a whole nother world. Yeah. Curiosity. Beautiful. Mm. That's yeah. perfect. Thank you. Thank you, Rhoda. <laughs> yeah. Thank you, everyone, for being here. Thank you, sisters. Yes. For joining together. We'll see you next time. We'll see you next time. Thank you. Did you know that the Source Connection has a Patreon page? In this Patreon page, we share tips, practices. We get a little bit more intimate with each other. Yes, so join us over on our Patreon page if you would like to connect in another way. We hope to see you there. <laughs>